1: we are back with another edition of DNVR Rams Late Night presented by Chevalier Mortgage. I'm Justin Michael. I am joined by Jake Schwanitz. He does all of our DNVR film rooms. We're talking CSU Iowa's a near upset really gritty performance from the Rams on the road. They were shorthanded. Everyone in Kinnick, I can tell you, they were they were incredibly nervous at at multiple points in this game. And uh, you know, just my my Real quick, first takeaway before I, I give the Florida Jake is, I do understand some frustration because this game was there for the taking, and there were some missed opportunities that are going to be tough when you go back and rewatch because the Rams could have won this game, they could have. But all I heard all week was that CSU was going to go and get rolled by Iowa. That this wasn't even going to be worth watching. That this was a terrible game. So if you can't appreciate the fight that this team put up with their backs against the wall. I, I don't understand why you're a college sports fan at that point. Be critical. Point out the missed opportunities. Be disappointed they didn't win. But you have to be able to appreciate what they did today because that's the fair way to look at it. This was an incredibly impressive performance, all things considered. Was it perfect? No. But the Rams went out and they put a sub fight up. Jake, you're unbiased. You have no dog in this fight. You're not a CSU guy. You're not a CU guy. What did you see from the Rams today, and, and what is your instant reaction to this performance?
0: Well, it was a tale of two halves, of course, right? I mean, the first half, they came out really strong. Um, they carried over a lot from that Toledo game last week. Uh, the defense was looking really strong, the front seven in particular. Um, they made it really hard on Iowa all game to run the football. Uh, the offense was, it was still struggling a bit, but they were moving the ball. They were able to, you know, kind of get some drives going and just get some first downs early on. Um, and then obviously it just kind of flipped in the second half. The better team just ended up taking over. Um, but like you said, uh, this the Rams were a 20 point dog coming into this game. And they you could tell from the first quarter that it was definitely not gonna be even close to that number. I mean, these guys were here to play and they took it to the Hawkeyes.
1: They punched him in the mouth, and you and you know what? It was a game of two halves. Iowa made better adjustments down the down the stretch. But I do think it should be mentioned, CSU lost David Bailey on like the second play of this game. He has been their bell cow running back. He had 30 carries last week. In an ideal world, you come out and you're, you're leading in the second half, you're leaning on that run game. You're controlling the clock. You're getting out of there. I think it would be ignorant to not bring up the fact that they, that they didn't have David Bailey for all four quarters in this one or really any of the game and, you know, the impact that it probably had on what the offense was able to do down the stretch. I mean, you're already missing Dante Wright in this one.
0: Absolutely, and you said it with Wright already out. I mean, they really needed to lean on the running game. Um, so once Bailey goes down, you're just kind of hoping that Centeo can become super sane and just carry this team offensively. Um, I mean, he tried his best, uh, but I just, there's a lot of things, uh, I think, that go into this offensive performance. At first, I thought the play calling was really good, especially in the first half. Uh, It was great in the first half. Yeah, they were getting Senteo out on the move. They were getting him involved in the run game. Um, But the fact of the matter is, CSU just doesn't have many weapons on the outside, especially without Dante Wright. Um, You know, maybe he could have made some throws. Of course, you want to see him uh, hit open receivers and stuff. But if he doesn't have the surrounding cast around him, it's kind of tough to place these expectations to have him go on the road and be the top five team in the country.
1: His limitations as a passer are real. I mean, he's missed some easy ones. He had wide open Trey McBride on the first drive. That should have been a touchdown. He missed him. That's unfortunate. He's the best option they have right now. The backup is a true freshman that didn't play his senior season because of COVID. I have all these people coming at me on Twitter being like, try something else. You want to throw in a true freshman on the road against this defense in Kinnick Stadium? That's not how this works, guys. you got to be realistic about the process. Again, Santeo, it's it is what it is. You know, he's he's not gonna make every throw. He's not gonna be a perfect option. He's more or less a game manager. But what he has done, at least in these last two weeks, and really the Vanderbilt game, too, was put this team in a competitive position, put, give them a chance to win. That's what all you can really ask for. I mean, it, it wasn't great. Like, I'm not jumping for joy about CSU's quarterback position. But they yeah, don't have I mean, any other options. So
0: Like, get used to it. True. And then, you know, just doing what they... They don't ask him to do too much, though. I think they understand his limitations. They understand who he is as a player. Um, And they kind of really do their best to build that up around him and have him play as best he can. Um, No interceptions. He did put the ball on the ground once, didn't lose the ball. Um, We already mentioned the passes that could have possibly been hit if the... I mean, we already mentioned his limitations as a passer also. Um, but yeah, at some point you're just asking the guy to be something he's not. Uh, so I, I mean, you just got to get over it at that point, I suppose.
1: There's cri- you can criticize the staff for not having more depth at that position. That's probably a fair thing to bring up, but they brought in Matt Vileci and he got hurt in training camp. It was a very similar, similar situation at CU. CU's passing offense is complete, completely incompetent. Like you want to. Yeah. You want to be frustrated as a CSU fan, go watch that CU passing offense. Brendan Lewis is he's really struggling. They brought in JT Shrout from Tennessee. He tore his ACL in training camp. He's done for the year. CSU, they brought in Vileci. We probably would have seen him at some point. I'm not sure he necessarily would have been the guy if it would have been way better. We probably would have seen him at some point based on, you know, the, the inabilities of the passing offense, but it is what it is. He's it's an unfortunate injury. It's part of college football. And I think you just kind of got to. Yeah, that's, that's what we're talking about here. This is a great question from Nicholas Toffmutter. Do you think the BC transfer would be playing if he hadn't gotten hurt? It's, it's tough to say for sure, just because we haven't really seen that much of him in action. And I don't want to prop him up as like the savior of CSU football because we just haven't really seen him. But I do think we probably would have seen him at some point. I was hearing good things about how the ball was coming out of his hands in training camp. You know, people liked him. But the, the counter is Todd Senteo. He has a lot of cachet in that locker room. The coaching staff believes in him his players, his teammates, they believe in him. I mean, respect goes a long way. And like, I just think that leadership, especially when you have a lot of veterans on this team, just saying, turn it over to a true freshman. That's how you lose the locker room because you're basically saying this season doesn't matter.
0: Right. And then just going back over the past uh, three games before this uh, game, there wasn't really anything that showed that Centeo should be benched immediately, you know? I mean, maybe if you did have a better guy available and the coach felt he was the better quarterback at the time, sure. But, you know, Steve Adazio was adamant going all the way back to March that Centeo is going to be the guy. Uh, So it really, I understand the frustration because this game was winnable, um, but this just wasn't the spot. And Centeo really, I don't think, has lost the complete trust of the coaches yet uh, to be pulled.
1: More or less, he's making the right decisions. I mean, we haven't seen him force it too frequently. There have been a few. He's missed some guys that you'd like to see him, you know, be able to hit, but it's not like he's consistently putting this team in a bad position. I will say he's had a really high amount of balls batted at the line of scrimmage, and I don't know if it's the way that it comes out of his hands. The Rams are kind of getting blown up on the interior right now. Their guards have really struggled throughout the season. Uh, Adam Koritz, in general, at right guard, really got. He really got demolished today. I don't like singling guys out unless you really have to, but the Rams are probably going to have to figure out some type of rotational thing there cuz he's really struggled these last four games. I just don't think Santae's the reason that they lost this game, you know. Could he have made that touchdown throw? Sure. But if you're going to if you're going to fault him, you also got to bring up the fact that he consistently put this team in, you know, position to win. They capitalized in the red zone, scored both opportunities. They were good on third down. They had they led the time of possession. They ran like 20 more plays than Iowa. Like these are all good things. And I know I sound like a coach right now. The people that are, you know, pissed off, they're rolling their eyes because you're you you're going full adazio, but sometimes he's right. Like I, I think that people are so entrenched in their disdain for him that they're basically rooting for CSU to fail because it's just gonna affirm the opinion that they already have. And I don't really understand that because we have seen growth from this team over the last four weeks. Has it been great? No. Would you have liked to have beaten Vanderbilt? Obviously. Do you want to get your ass kicked by South Dakota State? Surely not. But you beat Toledo on the road, and you almost beat number five Iowa. If you would have told me before the season that this was the way that this Iowa game was going to play out, I would have been all over that. I mean, that would have been like, hell yeah, that's a a massive win.
0: Right. I mean, and to kind of go away from Centeo a bit, there were many other aspects of this team that kind of let them down today too. The secondary Holy. allowed a couple deep bombs um, and those really changed the trajectory of the game, especially the long touchdown, the first one. Um, and then we already mentioned David Bailey going down. If they had any sort of running game and were able to control the clock a bit more in this game, um, we're maybe talking about a different story here. So while he is the quarterback and he does get a lot of the blame, uh, whether it's fair or not, uh, there's a lot more that went into this loss, even though it was frustrating for the fans to see.
1: Yeah, it's it's been rough for the secondary in general throughout this season. It's they're really thin. I mean, it's it's just the reality. It's much like the quarterback position. They're they're pretty strapped with who they have. Marshawn Cameron, in general, he's a veteran. They came back. They were really hoping he was going to be that cornerback one. I don't think he's healthy he he looked really injured last week. I mean, the dude looked like he barely couldn't could barely run. He got burned again today. He also had a nice pass breakup down the stretch. That was, you know, a good play. And it was the same deal with Robert Floyd. He got, he got burned for a, for a big play. And then he responded by coming up with an incredible interception. I mean, that was one of the better, that was a really good play on the ball. I mean, he, he went in there, took it out of the receiver's hands. That's, for a walk-on turn starter, that's a big-time play.
0: Right, no doubt. I mean, uh, when it all comes down to, I think, I just don't think CSU had the complete recipe for the upset, right? Um, you got to control the ball. you got to control the clock. You also need turnovers. They did have the one interception, and you saw how that really shifted the mem- momentum of the game. Um, if they had another turnover or two, maybe we're talking about CSU actually pulling off the upset. But the it just wasn't all there for them today. I mean, not to mention Centeno, but... I mean, like you mentioned, the secondary just struggled. It was just just uh, all around, just not all there.
1: You hope to see some growth in that secondary as the season goes on. I mean, Jack Howell, he's a freshman playing at safety. He's really been flying around. I think he's got a really promising career. Henry Blackburn, when he's healthy, he's another guy that's, that's flashed. But there's just going to be some growing pains. I mean, when you have that many young guys and a couple of veterans that appear to be playing banged up, and then that's really all you have. There's going to be good moments, like the Robert Floyd interception. And there's going to be a lot of frustrating moments, where they're just not in position, and it results in a big play, and the strength of this team is going to have to be the front seven. Like When you look at this CSU team, the recipe for success is really evident. Offensively, they have to run the football, they have to control possession, and they can't turn it over. Today, they fumbled it, and we'll get into this when I we each give our turning point, but You know, the game really flipped at that point. Defensively, they have to stop the run, which they've done each of the last two weeks. They have to get after the quarterback, which they've done each of the last two weeks. And they kind of just have to offset what the secondary can't do. That's unfortunate because you're not going to be able to make plays every single time. But there is a recipe for success. And I think with what we've seen, we should expect CSU to be competitive in Mountain West play.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think... All in all, it was an encouraging game today when you look at, you know, the Mountain West and the grand scheme of things of CSU season. Um, To kind of go back to something you said, though, about the front seven, I mean, that was really the most impressive thing about this game. um, They're so good, man. They they were awesome. I mean, you go back to last week, it was 28 carries for 21 yards um, that they allowed from Toledo. And today against Iowa's vaunted rushing attack, they have one of the best centers in the country, one of the best overall offensive lines in the country held them to 54 yards and 32 carries. Um, So there's definitely some positives to look back on through this.
1: There are defenses in the Big Ten that are going to get absolutely demolished by this Iowa offensive line. And again, I understand like there were a lot of missed opportunities. All the frustration is warranted. But what this front seven has done, really back-to-back weeks, and again, Toledo's offensive line there, meh. But Iowa... For them to go on the road and do that in that environment against an experienced backfield and Spencer Petrus, who's played pretty well the last couple of weeks, that's
0: really impressive. Yeah, to piggyback off of that too. I think uh, Coach Heater called a real good game on the defensive side of the ball too. I mentioned that in the film room that came out this week in the Toledo game. He was really scheming up pressures, had some blitzes, some sim pressures that really came through and really confused that offensive line for Toledo. Uh, you saw some of that today. Uh, particularly Daquan Jackson had another really great game. Um, Kamara had a decent game also. So these are some guys that, you know, you can really build on with these guys and just you're seeing it all kind of come together. I know it's frustrating because it's September and it's, you know, the probably the biggest game of the season in terms of a national perspective. Uh, but there's a lot of important games left on the season and there's a lot of other chances to pull off some upsets and just overall stack together some wins.
1: Well, you're going to be frustrated by the record in general. I mean, 1-3 in three is not where anyone wants to be. It's not. But we've seen improvement, and we've seen, like, if you can go and compete with Iowa and Kinnick, you can compete with a Utah State on the road. You can compete with New Mexico on the road. See, Wyoming, Air Force. I mean, even San Jose State and Boise State have looked human this year. Like, there's, there's a lot of opportunities for this defense to absolutely wreak havoc in conference play. And I'm excited to have you on the Rams pod throughout the year because we can really dive into an NFL draft perspective with some of these defensive guys because mm-hmm. Daquan Jackson, you know, and I think these guys are, are guys that can play at the next level and we can really save that for another date. But I don't know, man. I just, I feel like if you came into this game thinking the Rams were, were going to get their ass kicked and you watched that performance, I don't know how your takeaway could be anything other than that was pretty impressive.
0: Exactly. Going back to what I said off the top, they were twenty-point dogs in this game. They came in and completely proved that wrong. I mean, it was apparent from the first quarter that this was going to be a dog fight. Um, they just didn't have quite as much firepower as Iowa, and that's okay. Again, this is a top-five team. Um, you're not going to win against a top-five team every time you face them, especially especially uh, when you have to go on the road. So um, it just is what it is.
1: No, I mean it's it's unfortunate that it played out this way, and. Like obviously you'd pull the upset. Like in the ideal world, you pull the upset. Mm-hmm. And close, close but no cigar. I mean, that's why the that's why it was titled that. And you know, I know close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades and all that, but football is a it's a sport of progress. I think we all want instant gratification. We want the, the turnover to be immediate. And I myself can get caught up in that as well. But I think with what we've seen, it's just you know, little by little, they are doing the right things, and I hope to see it pay off. We had a question from Nicholas Toffelmeyer Over under three uh, wins for CSU this year? I'll say
0: over. Where are you at? Um, man, I think I would lean. I think I'd leave uh, over also. I mean, Wyoming struggled today. They played an FCS school, I believe, and I don't UConn, know if they dude. Know the one- Yeah, it was UConn. Um, so there's some opportunities for sure. UNM, I know it's a tough place to play, but that program has been, you know, just up in the air, just complete mess, uh, constantly. Um, Hawaii's looked vulnerable at times too. Nevada has always been in close games. So you have a chance if the defense plays well in that game to really steal that one too. Um, just going back all the way to the uh, South Dakota state game. I, I know it hasn't been ideal for CSU fans up to this point, obviously with the SDSU game and the Vanderbilt game. But they've been competitive in all these games. That's something that you really have to take away. Um, this team isn't getting blown out by 20, 30 every week. They're in a lot of these games. Uh, Toledo was just like having it all come together at that point. If you can have that happen a few more times, you're looking at a pretty decent season. That's all you can hope for, man. It's
1: It's been a rough start, but you got to respond. And I mean, I, I think there's a lot to like, but... We're going to move on. We're going to keep talking about. It. Before we do, that, I got to shout out our presenting sponsors over at Chevalier Mortgage. It's stressful trying to buy a house right now. If you've attempted this process, you know what I'm talking about. The housing market, it's crazy in Colorado. So let Mike and Virginia Chevalier take the burden off this extremely difficult process. They'll alleviate so much stress, take some of that worry off your plate. Their ultimate goal is to take the stress out of buying and refinancing. They strive to give their borrowers options with their full financial picture in mind, with the highest level of integrity, always putting their borrowers first. They have a fun perk for DNVR listeners. If you visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, you can enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice. You're also going to get set up with a free consultation. Just head to dnvrmortgage.com or call Mike directly at 970-412-2472. That's 970-412-2472. Or visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. We love Chevalier Mortgage. They are the best in the business. Heard nothing but good things. I want to talk about this game because this it was a winnable game. I think we've we beat that horse dead at this point. Where did this game flip for you?
0: Had to have been the fumble, um, the Vivens fumble. You know, inside the five yard line. I think it was recovered on the six or something. Um, Iowa just scored right after that. Uh, it was a beautifully designed play that they scored on. But it was just too way too short of a field. I mean, that's these are the kind of things I'm talking about here. You can't pull off upsets uh, going away when you have plays like that. I mean, fumbling the ball inside your own five-yard line, that's just the recipe for losing the game, uh, no matter who you're playing, really. Um, that's where I'm going to say the turning point was.
1: No, I agree. I mean, the fumble was obviously the biggest part of it, but I do think it was even before that because that series starts with they're backed up deep in their own territory after a good Iowa punt. Todd Santeo breaks outside. He rushes for a first down. It appears to be a good play. It's like, all right, we've got some room. It goes back for holding. After that, he gets sacked almost immediately. Right guard got blown up again. Now they're back deep in their own territory. They try and hand the ball to Vivens. Looked like it wasn't a clean exchange. I'm not. Vivens got credited with the fumble. I'm not sure if it was morrison Teo or Vivens' fault. Regardless, it's a fumble. You turn it over. You give him the ball right in the red zone. They score almost immediately on a gorgeous design. Like you said, as soon as they ran that play, I was like, ah, oh, that was cool. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Those, that's the worst. When, when an opponent scores on like an impressive touchdown play and as a pure football nerd, you're like, oh man, that was gorgeous. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it was, it was a great play design, but it's just, you know, a, a three play sequence and you go from up with the ball, having momentum to the game is tied. And now you're back on your heels. And I just, you could feel the air go out and you could feel Iowa have the momentum after really playing on their heels themselves for about a quarter and a half.
0: Right. I mean, that's just how Iowa plays these games, man. They're grind them out games. They rely on you to make more mistakes than they make. Um, and that's essentially what happened. Um, like I, I like what you said, though, about that holding call. I think that was a pretty big turning point also because, one, it was a big play by Centeo. Uh, but they'd obviously be out of the shadow of their own goal line. You know, play calling changes situations at that point, too. Yeah, so um, that drive, I mean, it was three plays, and it ended with that fumble, but each play was bad, and each play really was a turning point in its own.
1: That's the thing about upsets. I think you nailed it when you said you can not you can't pull off an upset of a top-10 team on the road without basically playing perfect. I mean, you might be able to make a mistake or two. Maybe you turn the ball over at midfield. It doesn't come back to bite you. But when you give them the ball at the six-yard line, it's it's all but guaranteed to shoot you in the foot. And that's that's what happened. And then that's where the game basically turned. It's unfortunate. I the Rams just aren't built to come from behind, you know. And then once Iowa went back up 10 points, it was kind of like, well, now they're just gonna pressure them. They have no run game.
0: It really just an unfortunate sequence of events. Right. I guess another turning point down the line um, would be like midway through third quarter, I think, is when they turned it over on downs, Um, they just crossed midfield. uh, I like the decision. I like the aggressiveness. Yeah, You're trying to take the momentum back. You're playing with house money at that point. Absolutely. I mean, like talking about how you pull these upsets off, you pull these upsets off by going for it in those situations. They just didn't happen to get it. Ended up giving Iowa the short field um they ended up scoring that field goal and even though it was 10 points it was kind of like out of reach after that you know
1: you still like the fight i like that csu continued to go for it even when they ended up giving iowa the football back i mean that it could have resulted in some garbage time points the other way but who cares at that point if you lose by 17 20 or 10 what does it really matter but i like the fight you know it it's just i really wonder how different this game is if you have Dante Wright and you have David Bailey, especially Bailey because you can lean on the ground game when you're up. But a guy like Dante Wright and being able to stretch the field, you only have one of those. And it can completely change the outcome of a game.
0: Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Not having a deep threat, uh, that's one thing I really noticed from this game is just the lack of CSU's downfield passing attack. Um, and I don't really necessarily think it was on Santeo. It was just, they don't have the guys to go downfield. I mean, I was a really, t- uh, well-coached defense. Um, they're tough to With break. The veteran those kind of secondary. Exactly. They're tough to break those plays on in general. Uh, but you didn't even have the personnel to really kind of pull that off. Um, another thing about the offense too. I mean, we talked, I talked about it in the film room. You can't have Trey McBride, you know, kind of carry the, the load every, every week, and expect to win games, Um, you know, because he's going to have games like this where he was fine. He was really good, actually. But six receptions, 59 yards, that's your leading receiver. You just got to have more. Um, The only other guy that really did anything was EJ Scott, and he just had that long 34-yard catch and run. So it's you just have to have more um, in terms of offensive weapons.
1: No, I mean, you nailed it. Trey was little bit dinged up today. According to what we heard, it kind of looked like it. He was getting up a little bit gingerly a couple times. They targeted him 12 times, which makes sense. I mean, they're always going to try and get him just as many touches as possible. But Iowa was all over him. There were a couple of times where they tried to force it to Trey, and it was one of those where it was like, oh, man, that was probably a, a poor decision. He was doubled. But when there's nobody else getting open at wide receiver, that's another one where it's... I understand if you're looking at that from the outside, and you're like, Senteo, what are you doing? But the counter is, I mean, is anybody else going to make a play? Like Trey made that incredible catch on fourth down where the ball's tipped and he's just able to high point it over the DB. Just a really impressive display of hands. I'm sure NFL scouts were drooling when they saw that. But they need more. There's just, there's not enough options right now.
0: I mean, here's the thing. Uh, Trey's good enough to where he can be the primary focus of this passing game and keep CSU in a lot of these games and, nearly carry them to wins. I mean, you saw it in the Vanderbilt game. You saw it uh, in in the um, South Dakota State game. And it's going to happen more times throughout the season because he's just simply better than a lot of the guys he's going up against, uh, frankly. Um, I mean, the Mountain West defenses are going to be a lot different than an Iowa Hawkeye defense. You know what I mean? So it's just the talent kind of actually matched up to McBride at that point. um, So that's why you really just needed something more. Uh, he was going to get his work. He did get his work in. But you, if you were expecting Trey to come in and have a another 20-target, 10-reception, uh, 110-yard game with two touchdowns, it just wasn't going to happen this week because you knew Iowa is well-coached enough and prepared enough that they were going to take him away.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's... You know in film, they were like, if we let anybody beat us, it's got to be someone not McBride. You know, like, yeah. Bailey can beat us. Ty McCullough can beat us. EJ Scott, Jordan Cress, whatever. We're not letting Trey McBride beat us. Yeah, he got his plays, but it wasn't enough. Great comment from Nicholas Toffelmeyer. They need more in the passing offense, but they probably need more of Centeo in the run game. I know it's kind of a tricky situation because you're risking injury every time that you run him and again, they don't have any depths behind him at quarterback, but I I think we've seen this this offense. It's most effective when it's able to go and play action. When you get Santeo out on the edge, when you allow him to run for for first downs, he's just got to he's got to be the type of quarterback that's probably going for seventy five to
0: hundred rush yards a game. Well, and he has the skill set. Uh, I don't believe he's being fully utilized if you're not running him uh, with the intention of having him kind of be your second, if not your leading rusher in every game. Um, I think it was two weeks ago after the Vanderbilt game, when Dre was on this um, and you guys were talking about uh, Centeno running and you brought up that point again, that, you know, he is the only quarterback at this point that can really play. So it's risking a lot, but Dre said, what do you have to lose at this point? And again, I mean, what do you have to lose? If you want to win games, you're going to have to risk running Centeno more. So you saw it today. Uh, The first touchdown, I think it was the first touchdown that draw. I mean, it was beautifully executed. He can do stuff like that. Um, he can take off and run. I I really like the bootlegs in the rollout game that they had for him early on too. Um, you know, felt he's like a they tough guy a to bring wolf. down.
1: Like he runs hard. He's a thick dude. He's muscular. Yeah. He's not the most accurate quarterback, but he has some Dak Prescott, Tim Tebow
0: qualities true. to him. Where when he's moving,
1: he's you know he's a load for a DB to try and bring down.
0: Exactly. Um. So we'll see if there's more of that. Obviously, it'd help a lot more if you have a true threat in the backfield. Bailey going down that early really kind of. You know, took the umph out of that and really kind of I mean, it really just compounds on itself, right? You don't get the I don't game, see him fumbling that ball. Games, I know. mean,
1: I'm not blaming Vivens for this loss by right. any means. That's a brutal situation. You're not expecting to come in and be the lead guy or the change of pace back. I mean, I know they're like everybody fans preach, be ready, be ready. But there's game plans and when you prepare all week, you know kind of what your role is anticipated to be. All of a sudden that changes on a dime. He made the most of a couple of carries, but there wasn't much room up front. I mean, the offensive line has really been struggling to to run block really since that Vanderbilt game. It, it's just going to have to be better up in the trenches, I think, as well. Like, losing Bailey was brutal, but the offensive line really killed the opportunity to run the football
0: today. Right. Um, I mean, going back to the point about Vivens, you saw him last year as, like, the primary rusher, and frankly, he just wasn't good enough. That's kind of why Bailey was brought in, right? Um, because you needed to improve over Vivens, um so it just is what it is when he goes down you're just back to kind of where you were last year it's like anything I mean
1: you lose your starting quarterback it's going to change some things you right. lose your starting yeah. wide receiver it's
0: going to change some things and CSU
1: lost their starting wide receiver and they're starting running back so yeah you lose good players centers. your team might be a little bit worse right thank you I, I mean <laughs> I thought I like it sounded crazy trying to point this out on Twitter people don't bring up the injuries how could you not bring up the injuries? Is losing two of your best three players not detrimental to your efforts? Like, what am I missing yeah. here?
0: <laughs> I mean, you're spot on. Um, we've already mentioned I had a piece before the season about these guys are going to be the three-headed rushing attack or three-headed offensive attack. Yep, uh, McBride, Wright, and David Bailey. Um, you're down two of them. So, uh, <laughs> good luck, Jake. I'm sorry
1: for all the the heat I'm bringing your way, but. I got into it with some people oh, on Twitter it. before the show, and I just, I don't know, man. Like, I, it just bums me out when all people can do is be negative after such a, a gritty fight. Like, we've criticized plenty of things. There, it wasn't a perfect effort, and that's the reason they didn't get the win.
0: I just don't know how you don't feel good after that game. Yeah, I was patrolling your mentions. Um the CSU fan base is uh, rightfully upset, but um, you know, it's it's an emotional time right now. It's right after the loss. I mean, you really kind of took a top five team uh, pretty far into the game. Um, so it was definitely winnable. Um I understand the frustration and, I mean maybe the pers- All perspective worn. comes yeah, maybe the perspective just comes a day or so down the line, you know. I hope so, man. Cause that
1: was a that was a gutty performance and I was I was impressed. Let's get into the DraftKings king of the game. Before I do, though, I got to shout them out. It's been a great start to the NFL season. It's only getting better at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is kicking off another week of action by giving all new customers a can't-miss offer. If you bet $1 on any football game this week, you are going $150 in free bets instantly, no matter what. This football season, all customers can swing big with the same game parlay. This is a game changer that allows you to combine multiple bets for a bigger payout. This week, if you place the same game parlay on any NFL game, you're going to be credited up to $25 if your bet loses. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money whenever you want. Download the top-rated app now. Use the promo code DNVR to receive $150 in free bets instantly. When you place a $1 bet on any football game, that promo code DNVR to get $150 in free bets instantly at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. I have that uh I have that gambling hotline addiction hotline memorized now and it it's kind of a, a weird feeling but I say it every day so I guess that makes sense.
0: <laughs> Hopefully it's because you say it every day and not for other reasons.
1: <laughs> not because I'm uh, calling in. Oh man, I bet on the Rams again. I would have won today if I would have took him to to cover True. the spread though. So I guess maybe I should bet on the green and gold. Anyways, my DraftKings king of the game. It's Scott Patchen. I mean, this dude was a beast at defensive end. I think you could have given it to Daquan Jackson as well. But seven total tackles, uh, five of which were solo, one sack, one and a half tackles for loss. He had a couple of hurries. I mean, this is a dude that they were they were trying to double him consistently throughout the second half. It was much like what Boise State and San Diego State did down the stretch last year. They're doing everything they can to slow him down. He's still somehow able to generate pressure this guy has been really consistent for CSU, and he had a hell of a game today. So Scott Patchen, my DraftKings king of the game. Do you agree with that, or, or was there somebody else you think I should have shouted out?
0: I think that's fine. Um, you mentioned Jackson. I thought he was really good today. Uh, I think uh, McBride on defense is really good also. And then your boy, man, Ryan Stonehouse. That dude is awesome. <laughs> He's the best punter in the country. Trey
1: McBride is. is the best tight end in the country, and Ryan Stonehouse is the best punter in the country. I don't know how many wins that's going to equate to for CSU this year, but those are two NFL guys that are legitimately masters of their crafts.
0: I was thinking today, watching him, if you have the worst punter in the league, how high are you taking this guy? I mean, does he even make it to day three at this point?
1: Oh, I love it. Don't give me hypes, dude. <laughs> don't I'm gonna, it's gonna break my heart when he like goes undrafted because NFL teams are stupid. But I don't know, because the way the ball booms off his foot, I think somebody's gonna fall in love with him. And then he we saw today, undrafted. just the ability to drop it on a dime inside the inside the 20 is just it's incredible. He did outkick his coverage once. I mean, if I'm gonna hype him up, I have to admit there was one that was not perfect, and it almost resulted in a big return the other way. But overall, I mean, I'm not going to nitpick this dude because he's a stud.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm not much of a punting uh, analysis type of guy. So uh, I'm a bit lost once we get into the deep dives of his punting.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Let's uh, let's play Bruce for you because you just mentioned a lot of the guys that I am going to give out and then you just kind of respond. This is basically the equivalent of helmet stickers. You know, it's just you'd get one sticker if you did good. But this is based on beer. You get a little bit of beer if, did okay a lot of beer if you did really good. It's all hypothetical, of course. Nobody's actually getting beer. Uh, don't be a weenie about it if you're watching this and you're like, oh, that guy's not 21. He's not actually getting beer. Calm down, Grandma. It's okay. All right, let's, let's start small and go big. I'm giving a taster to Ajon Vivens now. I understand that it wasn't a great game. He, he finished with 17 carries for 45 yards. He had a fumble that really cost him that's a terrible situation to get put in what he had to do today.
0: All things considered, he grinded it out. I mean, he was there. Like you said, the fumble really kind of killed it, but, um, he was running somewhat effectively. I mean, I don't think this is obviously the fumble is a big turning point, uh, but he's he did not what working he could with much up front, you know? Right. He did what he could considering the situation. Like he's, like you said earlier, I mean, he fits a lot better in a change of pace role, so having him kind of just become a feature back uh, just out of nowhere when Bailey goes down just is what it is.
1: I think they tried to establish Jalen Thomas a little bit in that game to try and like give somebody else that's a little bit more of a true between the tackles back. You know, can run with a little bit more physicality. Didn't really work out for the most part. I mean, they got stuffed a couple of times. There was on that fourth and one, for instance. You already brought it up. They ran a stretch play to the outside that I. T- it irked me because I was like, that's going to take so long to develop. You know they're sending the house. They've got nine in the box. I, I didn't understand it. I really would have liked to have seen them roll out Centeo, give him a couple of dump-out options, or just let him run for the first down. Uh, that was a, a side point I wanted to make earlier. But they need Viven's to be better. Like We don't know what mm-hmm. Bailey's status is going to be moving forward. But if he's the guy, he's going to have to be it. And whether that's catching the ball in screenplays which he does have a wide receiver background, so I'd like to see that become more of an option in the offense, especially because you're not really sustaining blocks downhill anyways. I don't know. They just they need more from the running back position, but I felt like all things considered, it was at least admirable to take a lot of heat for that fumble. So we've got a, we got a taster for you to at least soothe the pain a little bit. Love it. <laughs> all right, moving on. We've got a pint for Jack Howell. Again, this is all hypothetical. Freshman safety, making a second career start, finished second on the team in tackles, uh, along with Taquan Jackson with six, five of them were solo. He's just always around the ball. I mean, he's a guy that seems to really fly around. I think at some point, it's going to cause some turnovers for this CSU defense. It's a small sample size, but I'm intrigued with what we've seen from him the last two weeks.
0: Yeah, I talked about how the secondary struggle, but probably the best secondary player today. I mean, maybe if you... um omit uh, Floyd's interception, but um yeah, that was we a great probably play. Probably the best. Yeah, exactly. That was just if we, if we. I don't know. Do you have Floyd coming up? Uh, I don't. Want oh yeah, Flo- Floyd is going <laughs> to get his
1: his hefty portion of Breck Brew for that pick. But I've also got a pint for EJ Scott. Again, he only really made one play, but I've been waiting for somebody to step up and be that number two receiver. So. Whether it's EJ Scott, whether it's Ty McCullough, I don't understand why Jordan Kress hasn't been more of an option, especially because he was UNM's downfield threat. Like That's what he did best for them. They're missing Dante Wright, and we haven't seen them take any shots to him. I, I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if he's behind in the playbook. I don't know what the deal is. I'd like to see him more on the field, though. But regardless, EJ Scott, a guy who's really flashed in camp like four or five times in his career, but never been able to stay healthy. It was at least encouraging. So you get a pint
0: for making a play. Yeah. You kind of saw the flashes today, too. So hopefully it's just something to build on as we get in the conference play.
1: He's quick, man. They just, they got to get the ball in his hands.
0: Yep.
1: I don't know. I just, I keep waiting for it to happen and it doesn't really seem like it's going to, but we shall see. Um, I've got a pint for Mo Kamara. Not as dominant of a game as last week, but really nice complimentary piece next to. Daquan Jackson today. And I mean, that's a linebacking core that you came in hoping would be good. I think there was a lot of confidence in the defensive line. The linebackers have been awesome. They're as big of a reason as the Rams have been able to stop the run so frequently these last two weeks. And it's really encouraging, especially because you know, you're going to have to go up against Air Force later in the year. And maybe this is the year CSU can finally get over them because they've got the guys to stop that option
0: offense. Right. Tyler Goodson, um, Iowa's running back, is a guy that he's not the best back in the Big Ten, but he's a guy that can really do uh, well with what he's given, and they really completely shut him down, Um, both Kamara and Jackson. um, They were really good, and a big reason why that CSU was able to shut down the run game of Iowa.
1: Well, you mentioned it, and we've got a member beer for Daquan Jackson, which is a 20-ounce beer, that you would get for the price of 16 ounces if you were a dnvr member drinking at the dnvr bar which was popping today by the way shout out to everybody that came out for the watch party there was iowa fans there they were nervous man it was <laughs> it was fun to see them clench up a little bit obviously they were they got kind of loud at the end and that's how it should be their team won they pulled it out but shout out to everybody that came out to the watch party i hope you guys continue to in the future but DeQuan jackson man this guy he's making plays all over the field he's pressure as a pass rusher and he's really reading runs well you know he seems to always just be in the right position he's not over pursuing he's not trying to do too much he's just letting the play develop and then using his athleticism to make plays yeah he's
0: got a great feel for the game and i think uh, coach heater really understands his skill set and puts him in position to succeed often um so i'm really looking forward to watching him moving forward because he's been Probably, I mean, obviously McBride and other guys coming into the season were the headliners, but the guy that's surprised me the most so far uh, from the CSU Rams squad is definitely Daquan Jackson. I would say he's probably the guy that's most
1: helped his NFL draft stock. I mean, you knew what Stonehouse was going to do. Trey McBride, right. obviously, is putting up absurd numbers. It's it's probably fair to say him, even though he had high draft stock coming
0: in. But, I mean, Daquan's really showing out. Yeah, absolutely. He's throwing his uh, name into the conversation, um, I'm really excited to see him as we move into Mountain West Conference play. There's going to be a lot more opportunities, like there were in that Toledo game, for him to go against some bad offensive lines and really just stack up some numbers.
1: That's all these guys. It's going to be interesting to see. You know, Manny Jones is a guy that see, just really hasn't done much this year. I'd like to see him yeah. be more of a factor moving forward. I'm, let's see, at three tackles today. I mean, did have half a tackle for loss. It's not like he's been horrible. He just has been a little bit quiet. I'd like to see him a little bit more. I've got a pint for Ryan Stonehouse. We've already talked about him, so we don't have to dive into it that much more. But best punter in the country flipped the field, gave CSU a chance today. I mean, field position was going to be a big factor. I wrote about that before the game, and it it did give the Rams a chance because Iowa had to play on a lot of long fields today.
0: Absolutely. I mean, in that first half, his punts. I mean, especially that first one. I think it was the first one. Um, it was like the coffin corner punt. It's just. I'm rarely ever impressed by a punter, but almost every time he <laughs> kicks a ball, I'm impressed by it. So he's awesome. It just booms
1: off his foot, man. Like it's yeah. it's one of those for where such a main act, you watch him and it's just like, it's just different when he does it. Like it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's more exciting. It's more explosive. Go get him, Denver. Go get him. <laughs> yeah. For the love of God, he's significantly better than what the Broncos are working with right now. Sorry, Sam Martin, but if you watched, if you watched Stonehouse, you would be standing him too. Um, Toby McBride gets a pint. Really, really great game. Solid in the interior, making tackles for loss. He's a dude that when he's making plays and he's throwing guys around and he's using that wrestling background, it's a lot of fun to watch because he's just like if if you're a young defensive lineman and you want to learn what is the best way I can use my hands, watch Toby McBride.
0: Yeah, he's the definition of a gritting grinder. Um, you know, he's maybe not got the prettiest game. He's not going to get all the sacks, um, but he's been awesome in the run game. I've been really impressed by him against Toledo and again this week and how he plays in the run game. He's in the backfield frequently making plays. Um, he's going to be a big factor for this defense moving forward. I mean, you've seen it the last two weeks, they've really stopped the run and hopefully that continues a uh, large part because of him. He
1: reminds me a little bit of Derek Wolf and the impact that he would play in the interior when you had those edge guys really dominating. It's like, no, he's not necessarily going to get all the sacks. A lot of what he does might go unnoticed because it's somebody else making a play. I mean, there are times he's just going to stuff a run, and it's going to be really evident. But a lot of his dirty work, it's it's not necessarily going to get hyped. But him, you know, having to get double teamed by a center and guard and allowing Daquan Jackson to shoot the gap, like these are the reasons that all of this works. It's just complementary football, and these guys kind of playing off each other's skill sets, and you mentioned that Chuck Heater has done a really good job taking advantage of what these guys do best. I think that's been a huge factor. I think he's really been able to identify, like, this is what I need you guys to do. I'm not going to ask you to do anything but it. And we're going to give up some plays sometimes, but most of the time we're going to get in your backfield. And I-, I love it. I mean, he's a guy, like, as a guy that blitzes all the time on Madden, and not to call- compare myself to an actual defensive coordinator, but... <laughs> has some fuck it in him where he's just like, you want to know what? I'm just going to send the house because what else am I going to do? We don't have the secondary to
0: play zone. Sure. Um, also, some brilliant uh, sim per- pressures too. He really gets the offense off balance. Um, really kind of tilts the field in his favor. He's been really fun to watch and he's got a lot of toys to play with. Great point. It's not just
1: It's not just the fact that it's pressure. It's the variety of looks that he runs. It's the advantageous creative stunts and stuff that they're able to yep. Just create opportunities. It's a lot of fun to watch. I also have a member beer for Trey McBride. Again, not the best game, at least compared to his start, but, I mean, he made the most of the opportunities, had a couple of really big-time plays to move the sticks, and he was their best receiving option. I mean, really the best offensive player today.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's not much more I can really say about him that already hasn't been said, dude. He's just a stud, um, all in his hands, just making plays at the catch point. Uh, he had one of the best catches, I think, of the day in all of college football today. Um, so, yeah, great beer. Or, uh, great I'm putting you on the spot here. Up What's up? Would you take him
1: over Weidermeyer or Charlie Kohler at this point if you were an NFL team? Oh, man. You know
0: I love my boy Jalen Be honest. Uh, No, I'm I think, honest. honestly, okay. I would. I would take uh, McBride at this point over those guys. I've seen a lot more from him so far this year um and i think he's a lot more well-rounded especially in the blocking game he's got that nasty edge to him uh i broke it down a few weeks ago if you guys want to check it out but yeah ladies and gentlemen
1: we got him we got we got, got jake on the trey mcbride hype trade i'm gonna come out there in october with a trey mcbride homegrown t-shirt for you because you're gonna need it when he's in the nfl we got him I'll wear it
0: with pride don't worry
1: this is a win i for those that listen to the Draft Pod, I have been preaching the Trey McBride praise for two years now. Finally more. getting there. I'm like a virus. You, I don't like using that in a pandemic because <laughs> yeah, bad but, timing. Yeah, you can't get rid of me. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> I got a beer tower for Robert Floyd, which is the most beer that we can give. He gave up a play. He got burned ones for a big play, but he responded with the biggest defensive play of the game. And I just think he's such a cool story. This is a walk-on that has become one of the starting nickel corners for you. He's making plays. I mean, he had a couple of pass breakups last week, too, and tackles. Like, This is a guy that you got to get on
0: scholarship. Yeah, I would argue not even the best play of the defense. Probably the best play all day for CSU as a whole um, was that interception.
1: Um, I would argue was, it was the most impressive football play made in this game, period, other than maybe that Trey McBride catch, which was
0: crazy. Right. No, I agree with you. I mean, it was a tremendous play and it was an opportunistic play, too. I was really driving at that point. I think they were inside the CSU red zone uh, when that play happened. Um, so you're, it's that was a swing of points right there. It didn't show up on the scoreboard, but that was a swing of points for sure.
1: That's a great point. I mean, they were driving. They had all the momentum at that point And... That's when it completely flipped. You're like, oh, man, this CSU might actually beat the number five team in the country. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll admit the whole time I was waiting, you know, like, ah, when does Iowa's physical advantage end up taking the toll? And it did down the stretch in the second half. I think we could see they just kind of wore CSU down in the fumble. And obviously the turning point we already got into all that didn't help the cause. But it was that play, man, that was... That was awesome. He should have housed it though. He got caught from behind. That was a little bit disappointing. He you gotta house
0: that. He houses that. We're maybe talking maybe this whole show has a completely different move if he's able to score on that play. I mean, it's true. I
1: I don't like saying stuff like that because I I I say that the game wasn't lost on the Miss Trey McBride touchdown. I don't like putting that much weight into that either, but it's true. I mean, those are the type of big momentum plays. It was like the punt return last week. I mean, that's the type of stuff yeah. that can really flip open an upset as you have to have those big momentum plays. All right, yeah, let's uh, let's get into our final thoughts here. It's it's closing time. It's last call for alcohol. Before we get into that, though, got one final shout out to the homies at Solace Meds. They've got some smoking hot September deals for you. Maybe you need to chill after that game. Hit up Solace Meds. They've got four convenient Colorado locations. One in Foco. One in Wheat. We- oh, gotten tongue tied. One in Wheat Ridge, one off Broadway, and one just blocks away on East Colfax from the DNVR bar. All month long, you can get 25% off Can America gummies. Strains tinctures are 20% off. Cartridges are 25% off. And if you use the code DNVR20, you're going to get 20% off your entire order. On top of that, you're going to get a free King Cone, which is the biggest pre-roll you can get. Or a Solace bar, which is an edible. You're getting that for free. Nobody hooks it up like the homies at Solace Meds cannabis shopping experience the delight, head to their website, solacemeds.com, order online, pick up at your convenience, and make sure you are using that code DNBR20, save 20% off your order. Nothing like doing Reads Live while people are just staring at my face, but I love Solace Meds, love DraftKings Sportsbook, and of course, I love Chevalier Mortgage. Jake, what is, what is kind of just your lasting takeaway from this? When, when you look back at this from CSU's perspective... What should they, what should they feel?
0: Uh, obviously disappointment at first, but I really think you should feel encouraged, especially going into Mountain West play. I mean, you just played one of the best teams in the country, um, really shut down their run game. You hung on, you know, for the first half for sure. You kind of lost, like you said, the talent advantage really took over in the second half. Uh, but I really like this defensive front. Um, this is a front that they could potentially win you a game or two down the line, and they're going to keep you in a lot of games. Um, That's my biggest takeaway is how impressive they've been so far. You nailed it,
1: man. They are so dominant that you're going to have a chance. You know, you might not have the offensive firepower that Nevada has, that Boise State has, that Utah State has. Man, that's an offense that I did not see this coming from. They struggled a little bit today, but they still had 300 yards offense in the first half and didn't score any points on it. Somebody that bet the over in that game, it was infuriating, but... That's a whole other side point that I can rant on down the line. But the defensive line, man, the, the linebackers, they're legit. You've got a great punter. You've got some things to work on, with on offense when you get Wright and Bailey back. You need more consistency from the offensive line. They were not good enough today and it really hurt them down the stretch. The caveat, you're obviously going against one of the best defenses in the country. So I don't want to overreact too much. How do, Let's see how they respond against San Jose State. Another really good defense, but This is a Spartan team
0: that's looked very, very beatable these last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, obviously another tough game coming up. Um, Was it the Hawaii? Is that who they played last week? Right. Yep, and they barely won. They lost today on the road at Western Michigan.
1: It's just a lot of travel, man. All the way to Hawaii, all the way to Western Michigan. They've already got a couple of guys dinged up. CSU is obviously dinged up as well. So it's it's good that they have the bye week right now. But this is a big stretch. I think this San Jose State. And then the trips to New Mexico and Utah State, these next three games are really going to kind of define what your season ends up being remembered for. If you somehow go 3-0, and which is probably unlikely, but if you did it, you're sitting at 4-4 and with a chance to potentially sneak into a bowl game if you can win a couple of rivalry games. And there's nothing better than that in college football. If you drop a couple of them, it's probably looking like a pretty long season and you're starting to think towards the future. So these next three games are really going to set the standard. But beyond that, I just think, like Jake said, you should feel confident, at least right now. Was it perfect? No, not at all. They've got a lot of room to improve. But you almost beat the number five team in the country. It was a gritty performance. We've seen consistent improvement from this team. In back-to-back weeks, there is room for optimism. It is okay to be excited every now and then, even when things are going bad. It doesn't mean that you're just pumping sunshine. It doesn't mean that you're not aware of the issues. It doesn't mean you think it's perfect. But if you can't appreciate this, what are you doing? Because sports are miserable enough, man. I'm a Rockies fan, okay? I know how miserable sports are. The, the height of my Nuggets fandom is reaching the Western Conference Finals and losing to the Lakers and have to listen to their fans. Super Bowl 50. I mean, like, time and time again, sports, the 2007 World Series, they have broke my heart repeatedly. You got to enjoy the little moments. And today was one of those little moments. And it didn't work out the way that you were hoping for. But this was a foundational type game, the type of game that you can build off of, that can inspire confidence, and that can flip a season around. And you can call me, you know, a, a homer. You can say I'm trying to be too much of an optimist. Naturally, I am an optimist. But I liked what I saw today. And I'm encouraged. And I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Jake, thank you so much for coming on. Make sure that you follow him on Twitter. He's doing all kinds of awesome stuff with us. Got film rooms every, every week. He's on the Draft Pod. He's killing it. I'm Justin Michaels. Shout out to Yahir, who is our producer. And shout out to Team DNVR athlete, Trey McBride, in the homegrown shirt. Make sure you come out to Shields on October 4th. We are going to have an autograph signing with Trey and Toby McBride. From 5 to 7 p.m., that is the Shields in Johnstown. Get your homegrown shirt signed. Get your brother's McBride shirt signed. It's going to be dope. Check it out. That's all we've got tonight. I'm Justin Michael. This is DNVR Rams Late Night presented by Mortgage. Enjoy the little moments, peeps. Peace.